welcome to another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And uh, this week again, Billy is not going to join us. Uh, just schedules didn't work out, but hopefully he'll be back for our next episode. But before we start talking about this week's game, uh, which is going to be Shinobi 3, Return of the Ninja Master for the Sega Genesis. Jeremy, what have you been playing since the last time we had a show? Oh, I finally got on that Switch sale. Uh, that What was left of it, anyway. I kind of got in right at the tail end. And I managed to grab uh, Katamari Damacy Reroll. Uh, I don't know if you're a big Katamari fan or, or if you've ever played it before. But uh, it's essentially just a, uh, a re-release of that first game that came out on the PlayStation 2. And uh, I, I was always a huge fan of Katamari. It's just the dumbest game. I mean, you're literally just this small alien child rolling up things <laughs> on a ball. And there's something about that that I find really interesting. I, for anyone that's never played Katamari, you, you are essentially uh, this, this small child. Uh, you are the son of the king of the cosmos. And uh, like all children, he is not very proud of you because you're small and you haven't really done much with your life. So it is up to you uh, to go back down and recreate all the stars that the king of the cosmos has destroyed on a drunken bender the night before. And it is up to you to go to these locations around the planet Earth and roll your little ball around to make new stars to populate the night sky with. And that sounds ridiculous on its own. And whenever you start playing it, it just gets more ridiculous <laughs> every single stage uh, because essentially you start out very small and you have to roll up things that are also as about as small as you. And the, the objective is to just get larger and larger uh, and you can make bigger stars. So you start out very small uh, you get to a certain, a certain size and then you grow larger and then you can pick up bigger things uh, as you go along. And that's kind of just how it is. It's almost like this weird puzzle game because the areas that it gives you, you know, you have to figure out where the best places are uh, to, to roll up the things that you need to get bigger as fast as possible because there's a time limit. Most of these time limits are like seven to 10 minutes. Uh, sounds like a while, but you know, when you're kind of rolling this ball around and it's these weird physics, you know, it's not just like instantly you press a certain way and you're going to go like, it's almost like you're, you're driving a truck around. Uh, you know, it takes a second for for this kid to get going. And so that's that's basically what you're trying to do. Uh, each stage is to uh, not only meet the goal of what the size of the star you're supposed to, to make, but also to, to get as large as possible. And at some point in the stage, if you do get as large as possible, you're just rolling around the entire you're as big as the stage itself in some places. And you're rolling up everything. You're rolling up houses, people, animals. Uh, the ocean it's just ridiculous and uh, I, i've always been a big fan of those games and and the one on the switch is actually really well done it is a really great re-release it's not a huge like remake but man it's it's just to play that game again is so much fun yeah i love that series and i did grab it for the switch it was one of the first things i grabbed uh, since i didn't get my switch until late and, and it is it's just a re-release of the original game a few tweaks but generally it's it's the same game that was out on the PlayStation 2, and it is, it's wonderful. I have, a, I have a version on the 360. I've got it on the Vita. It, it, I'll buy it any way it comes out. Uh, it's just a fun game to waste a few minutes with, uh, even if it's, you know, like you said, it's 10 minutes, but it flies by real quick. And, uh, and it's, it's, a great, it's a great series, so yeah, I, I always recommend that to people. Um, I, I actually have not used my Switch as much, uh, because after our last episode, I did pick up Yoshi's Crafted World, and my five-year-old has owned the Switch ever since. He's finished the game already. Uh, he's going now to go get all the, you know, the hidden collectibles. Uh, but it, it definitely, 
is a nicer game than the the Yoshi game we covered last week because they did do things like let you control where you're st- uh, going to shoot your yarn balls instead of having to use that same kind of moving reticle over and over again. A lot, a lot of nice tweaks and, of course, no crying baby Mario, which is nice. Uh, but what I did grab is the Konami Arcade Classics Anniversary Collection for the PS4. Uh, it's on the Switch as well, but again, my Switch is, is essentially owned by a child now. So uh, it's got a bunch of shooters. So if you like arcade shooters, if you really like Gradius, uh, then this is probably a great collection. However, if you don't like Gradius, then this is not a collection you should buy. It, it is literally seven different versions of games that are extremely similar to Gradius. I mean, they definitely have some, some differences, but uh, th- there's... A lot of the same kind of mechanics. And then the arcade version of of what they made out of Castlevania called Haunted Castle, which is an unplayable disaster. But it is fun to see, and I'd never gotten to play that before. I'd never seen it in the arcade. So I I am enjoying it because I do like Gradius. They they have uh, Nemesis, which is the original Gradius, Life Force, uh, Vulcan Venture, which is Gradius 2, and then a game I'd never played before called Thunder Cross, which is uh, kind of a simpler a simpler sort of shooter you only have two power-ups like a a gun power-up and an option power-up and you don't have to worry about you know selecting them like you do in gradius they're just solid 2d arcade shooters uh, and they play really well Uh, there's not a lot of extras to speak of you know some of the other collections like the the disney afternoon collection had a whole bunch of extra you know little things to to look at about the creation of the game there's not much here they have a couple pages on each game and there's no extra modes it's not like you can play uh, the the japanese version of the same arcade game and then the north american version nope it's just north american versions on the north american copy and japanese versions on the japanese copy but it's kind of a still a good collection and it does play very well which makes me very very or a lot less concerned for the upcoming castlevania and konami collections i mean what is what is this haunted castle i've heard from several people uh, about how bad haunted castle is but I, i don't think i've ever actually played it well, it, it's the first, as far as I've gotten, is the first level of the Castlevania game on the NES, but redone for an arcade. So your character's bigger, uh, the, the map is a, like, is a larger sprite and a larger size of the screen. Uh, the, the problem is because it's an arcade game, and, I, and apparently the North American version is way harder, uh, but anything that hits you does about a fourth of your life. And you have one life, and that's it. And then you can put another quarter in and continue to play. But it just does not move like Castlevania. It's a much slower-paced game, uh, again, with a larger character screen. It's just not as good at all. It, it's like if if you would have told me that was the PC like port of Castlevania, I'd believe you. Because it's that, it's that awkward feeling. It is not, not good at all. I, I was excited to try it, and I played it one time, and I, I will never play it again. Well, I mean, it's, it's not like... Castlevania for the NES was the most you know, he wasn't the most agile character that Simon uh, so I, I can't even imagine that game being much much slower paced than what it already was oh, back no. in the day. I, I mean, you have to try it just for that it's it is not it is very slow it is you know the original Castlevania sure Simon uh, got knocked back pretty far and, and there were some problems but comparatively you'd think it's the best game ever made by anybody because this this is really really bad and I, I guess it looks better because it is an arcade game but I can only get about halfway through the first level if I'm if I'm on my best run. It's just not it's not fun. But like I said, it does it does everything else generally like all especially the Gradius games play really well. So I'm I'm certain that the Castlevania and Contra collections will be way better. Um, however, I did get to the very end of Sekiro, 
Uh, I'm I'm at the last boss uh, in one of the endings, which is the probably the, the right ending, I suppose. Uh, it's very very difficult. I will get through it eventually. Uh, but that that kind of game made me really want to cover this week's game, Shinobi Three: Return of the Ninja Master for the Sega Genesis. Now, I wasn't the biggest Shinobi fan as a kid. I mean, really, my earliest memories of Shinobi was playing the original arcade version at um, uh, Showbiz Pizza. You know, I, I would occasionally walk around uh, back when they had like a ton of arcade games, you know, and, and just I would see that game. And of course, you're playing as a ninja. So I'd be like, yeah, that, you know, playing as a ninja is awesome. So, of course, I want to put a quarter in this machine. But it was uh, it was brutally difficult. Uh, you know, I, I I was lucky to make it past the first stage if I when I did play it. Uh, it's very simple, you know, what I played back then. But then I just kind of lost track of Shinobi. I didn't buy a Genesis or a Master System or anything like that. So I didn't actually play uh, the sequels or anything like that until Shinobi 3 came out when I did have a Genesis. And put that thing in, and I was blown away when I played that, when I rented that for the first time. Because that was... Uh, that this is a hell of a game. Yeah, I'd never played Shinobi Three. I definitely played the uh, Sega Master System port of the arcade game. I don't know if I ever played the arcade game, uh, but I, you know, I had never owned a Master System until way later in time. And the everybody I know, which was all of two people that owned a Master System, each had Shinobi, and I was always super excited to play it because, again, like you said, it, you're a ninja. How how can it not be a fun game? And it it did play really well even on the Master System. Um, so I, I never owned it, so I didn't get incredibly far, but I always liked playing it. I, I never played Revenge of Shinobi other than, you know, it's on every one of the Sonic collections. I, I think it's on the new um, At Games Genesis pack thing. So, I, I mean, it's on uh, several things I own, and I've played it enough to be like, yep, that's a game with ninjas. I should go back to it, and really haven't. But I had never played Shinobi 3 because it was not on any of those collections. I think the most recent one may have it, but the older ones did not. And so, you know, I, I had just seen on a lot of those, like, Find the best 10 secret Genesis gems. This is always listed as a really good game. So I, I wanted to give it a shot. I'm glad I gave it a shot. I did have some of the, the Game Gear versions of Shinobi, which were fine. But uh, but definitely the Game Gear never really... <laughs> didn't really handle fast action incredibly well. And, I, you know, the the first Shinobi and, and even Revenge of the Shinobi were, were very good. Uh, but they they didn't really convey the... the uh, I, I don't know the act of playing as a ninja of being the super fast thing that can just jump around the screen, kick things, throw stars everywhere. Um, even revenge of the Shinobi, the second game was kind of a slow paced game. Almost, you know, you walk kind of slow. Uh, you have to kind of set up your attacks. It, it's a very, almost like normal platform action kind of game. And then Shinobi three comes along and this is a much faster much smoother game you actually feel like playing like you are playing a ninja in this game which is refreshing for a lot of those older games that uh you know that dime a dozen nes and 16-bit games where you played as a ninja but there weren't too many that you actually felt like you were playing as a ninja 
Uh, and this was one of the one of the best as far as just like feeling like you can just run around the screen, slash enemies with your sword, do kicks on top of their heads, throw ninja stars, do special moves just all over the place and, and just with with very little effort. And I think that's one of the things that's actually stuck with me uh, about that game uh, to this day. Well, yeah, it's got a lot of moves considering it's just a three button Genesis controller game. You've got a lot you can do. Um, I again, my experience with the previous uh, Genesis Shinobis was very, very limited, but I was just amazed at the amount of things you can do with this that actually control really well. So it's a three-button controller. You've got a jump button, uh, which is pretty self-explanatory. It jumps. There is a, a way you do like double jumps, and you can do wall jumps if you're against a wall, which is pretty cool. Yeah, a lot of ninja games do that, but I, I had a few problems with the double jump. I don't know if that's just me because I am playing this on an emulator as opposed to the actual Genesis, but I could not get the double jump to work as often as I wish it did? Is, is that just me? No, it's it's actually, like, you. Ha- it's one of those games where you have to time it almost perfectly. And uh, if you play it enough, you can kind of get it down. I, I believe we played a game like this uh, not too long ago for the podcast, where it was like, you know, there is a double jump that you can do whenever you want, but it is one of those games that you just, it, it maybe half a second to get that thing right uh, so that you can, you can actually do it. And, uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of times in this game coming back to it now where I did miss those jumps. And I don't know if it's because of maybe some controller lag on like newer TVs or something like that. But I, I don't remember myself having that much of a, a difficulty with it back as a kid when I played it. But I definitely did have it this time. Yeah, the game I think you were talking about was Shakan, uh, also for the Genesis, where there was a double jump, but it was extremely sensitive. Uh, oh, and this is kind of the same. I, I didn't have the same issues. Shakan, you had to hit it at exactly the right time, and if you did it at the, you know, at any other time, it either wouldn't work or it would make you do another move. This, this isn't that bad, but it's definitely there's a few times where you need to make some double jumps or fall into an instant death, and I, I definitely failed those a few times. Um, but generally, I, I think better controls than Shikan for that double jump. Oh, uh, God, yes. <laughs> you also have uh, a, an attack button, which, like you said, you can use your sword or your shurikens. Something that Shinobi always did, uh, as I recall, even on the older ones, is your default weapon is a shuriken. Your attack button throws a shuriken forward, but if you're right next to somebody, or if you're out of shurikens, you use your blade. I don't know if the blade does any more damage. I guess on bosses, I could have tested it a little more to find out, but I think it's just a universal damage amount by every one hit um the the other thing you can do with your attack button uh if you jump and then get a double jump to go off so you kind of do your your double jump spin and then you hit the attack button in the air you'll shoot down a rain of like six or seven shurikens in a in a big arc and that's kind of a cool move it uses up six or seven shurikens which is unfortunate because you only have so many uh but it's a pretty neat move to do especially if you get into an area where you're not really sure how you're going to get through it that normally gets you through it pretty quick yeah, I was going to say, like, that's an awesome move, except for the fact that you only have so many uh, shurikens, especially if you play on the normal difficulty or, or the harder difficulty. Um, those, you know, you, you can run out of those very quickly if you are doing attacks like that. And uh, when you do run out of uh, shurikens, then that really sucks. I mean, you, then you do have to just get up close and, and wail away at your sword or do the, uh, the jump kick. And uh, but but generally, I, I think, you know, the best attack in the game as far as staying out of danger, unless you just master that downward kick is, is using your shurikens. Well, and almost everybody you fight has a distance attack. You know, they either have a gun or or they're throwing things at you. So you, you kind of want those shurikens to stay out of the way. Uh, if, you, if you're going right up in front, you have to not only worry about 
you know, dodging them in that attack. But there's probably other people around them also firing things at you. So it's definitely much, much harder if you run out of shurikens. Um, like you said, you do have a jump attack. Uh, that's done by just jumping once and then hitting your attack button. That is incredibly useful. At first, I didn't think it was as useful because it's kind of an awkward-looking animation. Uh, that said, it kind of homes in on whatever you're nearby, and it's uh, it's a real huge help later on in the game. I found there were parts of it that if I didn't have the jump kick, I'm not quite sure how I would have gotten through it very easily. Yeah, the jump kick is the secret best thing that you can actually do in the whole game. Uh, if you can, like I said, if you can master that, then you don't really need shurikens that much. Uh, but it's just a matter of of getting that timing down, uh, getting that distance down of, of you know where to use it and, and uh, when's best to actually use it. Because if you know if you're running at, at, as fast as you can go, because you can kind of walk and then you know run if you want to, uh, you can lunge forward with your sword, which is a pretty pretty decent attack as far as like covering ground you know that'll slice for about you know six or seven feet in front of you so uh if you can catch enemies off guard like that then you can instantly just kind of jump around and start doing that jump attack onto things that are nearby and you can clear out a screen pretty quickly just doing that uh to where if you're just kind of taking your time and walking forward then you will definitely probably need to use uh, your shurikens uh for those longer range attacks, because otherwise, you know, if you don't get them instantly, it can be kind of hard to just start taking things down uh, later or not, not instantly anyway. Well, the other attack you have is your magic attack. Uh, You don't have very many of them. In fact, when you start the game, you have one use of a magic. And when you pause the game, it lets you change between four different magics, which if you didn't have the manual, you might not realize. Uh, But the four different magics you get are, and I'm sure I'm saying these terribly wrong, uh, Ikazuchi, which is a lightning shield. I use that a lot. Uh, it lets you basically absorb enough damage without taking any damage uh, for for a fair amount of time. I don't think it's time. I think it's a fair number of hits, but it's still more than one or two hits. It's actually pretty useful. Uh, Karin, which is a fire damage. It seems to hurt everything on screen. Uh, pauses everything around screen. Hurts it all, all on screen. Uh, I don't know exactly what the point of this was. The one that it's called fusion i guess and it makes you have a bunch of clones behind you but it's just kind of makes you look like you're blurry does it actually do anything other than maybe guys fire at the clones instead of you uh that's kind of what it seems like it does i honestly never used it much as a kid i always used the uh the dragon one uh, i forget its name where the the four dragons come up from the bottom of the bottom of the screen that was always my favorite um, but yeah, I never, I never really used that one where it gives you the clones or whatever. So that may have been the one that I thought was fire. Cause it does look like it could be four dragon heads, uh, with long necks, but I thought it was fire. <laughs> that's how good I am. Yeah. They're fire dragons or whatever. But, I don't know. Yeah. That was a good, no, that's a good attack. That's what I used. And then there's, there's one that is called Mijin or Mijin, which is an explosion icon. And when you use it, you do a ton of damage to things, but you explode and you lose your life. You immediately spawn right back in the same spot if you have more lives, but you know, is it worth doing how much a bunch of damages to everything uh, while losing your life? And and the answer is on a speed run I watched, yes, because you'll have about twenty lives later on. <laughs> but I never did, so for me it was more of a a neat thing to do, but not the way to play the game. Yeah, if if you can save up the lives and you're having problem with a certain boss, then yes, you can totally do that. And I mean, that's awesome that they put that in there. That there's this move that's so powerful, powerful that kill it kills you. Uh, but you know, if it, it, you just you do so much damage uh, that it's kind of ridiculous. You can kill several bosses in just using a couple of those. But you're going to use a couple of lives to 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 do it. So uh, it's just how, however many extra lives you can find that's around, so you can use that. Well, and you don't have a ton of lives. I mean, you start with three, 
uh, on the normal difficulty. I don't know if you start with less on a higher difficulty and, and one use of magic. So, uh, you know, once you've lost your lives, that's it. You get, you get three continues, but the continue starts with the beginning of the level. There are seven levels in the game, and each level has several sections to it. They're pretty long especially later on in the game where there are a couple that are almost maze-like. You definitely don't want to just throw your lives away uh, to, to try to do damage to a boss. But again, if you know what you're doing, you've played this game a bunch, I'm sure you've got it worked out to where you've got 10 to 15 lives and, and you can just blow away a boss with three or four uses of that. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what it seems like it's there to do. I mean, it's 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 not really worth it just to clear out a screen unless there's a certain screen that's, that's really bugging you uh, because you could probably do just as much damage going around and, and taking a few hits and, and clearing out that screen rather than just exploding and then respawning. It's just, I mean, it's really cool that it's in there. I love it, but I never really had too much of a use for it unless I did have that surplus of lives. Well, you thankfully don't die in one hit. You do have a life bar in this game. It's got 16 little notches in it. Uh, most attacks will do more than, than one notch or two notches, but not not too many do more than three or four. Even bosses don't seem to do that much damage. A lot of them do two or three. So you can get hit several number of times. Um, as you're going through the levels, you can find additional like health pickups, that little heart pictures that will give you back some of that life as well. So you do get a number of lives. You can find more extra lives in the game. I believe you earn more by points as well. And again, you, you do get health pickups that help you regen your life. So it's not completely brutal that said there are definitely parts where there are instant deaths by falling or you know bosses that do a fair amount of damage or attacks that are very hard to dodge at first uh, especially if you're having problems with that double jump so you're going to need your life to be as full as possible all the time if you think you're going to get through the entire level finish the boss at the end because every level has a boss at the end of all the sections uh, and get to the next level explain the game itself too well it's it's a ninja game uh, it's an old arcade game so you know it's a 2d side scrolling almost brawler but uh not a lot of enemies take more than one hit a lot of it is making sure you hit them before they hit you and then dodging some sort of projectile uh making sure you avoid any sort of um, level based damage there's some levels where again there's instant deaths by falling into stuff or there's uh things you can walk into that slow you down or in the I guess level five that you're walking on containers that explodes so you have to make sure you get them out of the way uh, the whole time trying to fight uh, most of the time it's people with guns uh, as you wait, get your way through the levels uh, as the, the ninja Joe Musashi uh, trying to stop the evil force of Neo Zed it's a pretty standard story uh, you're you know basically you're a good ninja trying to fight against a bad guy that's it that's all you need to know and, uh, and to do so, most of the levels are standard side-scrolling. However, what I liked about this, too, is that not all the levels are just straightforward, you know, kind of action platformers. Uh, the second level, for example, you're riding around on a horse. So the whole level is, is you on a horse trying to fight against a bunch of guys that fly across the screen. Uh, I, I thought that was really well done, and I thought it looked really pretty on the Genesis, actually. Yeah, we were talking about Rocking Night Adventures the other uh, other podcast. Man, that game looked great. But this one on its own is probably one of the better Genesis games I've I've ever seen. 
Um, also sounding great music in the, in this one, great sound all around. Um, but yeah, there's, there's just so much variety in, in just the, the environments that you're in and, and what you do as far as like, uh, you know, most stages, they usually have two or, you know, two or three unique enemies per stage. I mean, it's just not all ninjas that you see in the first stage or whatever. You know, you you definitely get to the point where you are riding a horse and you're fighting ninjas that are flying in on kites in the background uh, that that jump in at you and, and try to attack you. And, and you're also fighting in, um, you know, ancient ruins or, or these old uh, castles or whatever. And then at the same time, you're fighting in these weird sci-fi places where you're fighting slime monsters and uh, brains with wings. So it there's just so much happening in this game over the course of it's not a very long game it's like seven stages or something yeah seven stages you can find a not even a speed run just a regular full play of the game is as an hour yeah i mean it, you can you can get through that game pretty quick uh but there's a lot going on in, in that hour that you play the game and there's just uh there's just a ton of really neat stuff uh especially some of those bosses uh the bosses are just a couple of them anyway steal the show for me oh yeah the bosses in this game are are all different. Uh, they all look really cool. Uh, you mentioned the level where you're fighting brains and jars and, and slimes. The boss of that level is basically a giant head with a giant hand that come out of the ground and attack you. You can actually see them in the, this, the level before you get to them in the, the section of the level where they're in the background kind of spitting stuff at you. That's a really good boss. I, I like that a lot. There's several phases to it, several attacks you had to read. I mean, it's a good classic 2D action boss. It's so cool too. I mean, it's just this giant skull with with a hand that comes down or comes out of the ground to get you. I, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, and later on in the game, uh, you get to fight Mecha Godzilla, Godzilla, which is uh, you know that's that's a pretty cool boss as well. Uh, it's, it's just it, the bosses and, and the stages and everything. It's just it's it's just a lot of fun to go through. But I will say, for me, this game kind of peaks. around the end of of level three with that big skeleton skull face boss uh because you know for the most part in in a lot of these games that would basically be the end of the game you know you you'd get all the way through these normal looking levels and then you'd get to the crazy shit where you're fighting the brains with bug wings and slime monsters and stuff like that but this one that's stage three and that's just kind of just out of nowhere like the first stage is is very standard shinobi forest, uh, you know, Japan ruins stuff like that, and then a, a couple of stages later, after riding on the horse, you're in of this weird science factory thing with brains and other stuff, and you're fighting this giant skeleton. So for me, playing those three stages, I kind of feel like I get what I want out of Shinobi Three because that's just. Once you finish beating beating that that skull boss, that skull face boss, uh, the rest of the game is just kind of standard. I mean, I mean, it's still really fun. I love it, but it, it's just such a weird thing to have like three stages in with this awesome boss, and then it just kind of goes right back down to normal where nothing. Like, it's it's not nothing's really happening like that anymore. I think it's the most interesting looking level with the most interesting looking boss. Uh, and unfortunately, the level after that is entirely on a surfboard, uh, which is, you know, that's what ninjas do. They surf and fight people on surfboards. So that, yeah. that I mean, I didn't mind the difference in levels. That actually plays a lot more like a shooter, like a space shooter, even though it's a surfboard level. But then, for example, the fifth level, it does look more boring. It looks like you're on some kind of military installation fighting a lot of guys with guns. But it also is a, is a level that has sections where you actually have to blow up parts of the of the flooring 
and use that to to kind of access the level and do some crazy jumps around to get to other parts of the level. I thought that was a well-made level. It's boring looking, but the mechanics of getting through it were actually pretty fun and, and more of a puzzle-type action puzzler than an action game because the fighting in that level is, is just avoiding instant deaths. The downside of that level is, again, you're blowing up the floor to make these jumps and make these the, the level, you know, progress the level. So there are lots of parts where you will die in, in one shot. And again, with the number of a limited number of lives and limited number of continues that even even with a short game that gets real irritating real fast. Uh, but but it's not, you know, you, a game like this, you want to compare to something like Ninja Gaiden, which is way more brutal and way more uh, difficult in, in almost every aspect than this game. Yeah, this is it, it's not that challenging of a game uh, compared to other shinobi games especially uh revenge like this one isn't that hard maybe until like the last stage or so uh and it's it's just a fairly enjoyable difficulty so it's it's definitely not the brutal kind of game that ninja gaiden is there's definitely parts where you do get those bottomless pits where you're going to fall off the stage or something like that but for the most part i think the game is is fairly it's it's just kind of fun. It's got its parts that's challenging, but I, I never really had too much of a problem just kind of playing through this one. So this game is one of the the last Shinobi games that came out. Actually, they did one on the on the Saturn that was a Shinobi game in name, but you weren't the same character. And then they put out that one on the PlayStation Two in in like early two thousand somewhere. And then that's that's kind of been it. It didn't have for whatever reason it hasn't had the staying power. Uh, although to be fair, the only Sega you know, character that seems to have any sort of staying power is Sonic at this point. All their other, four, you know, mascots and franchises have kind of gone away, the older ones, to be replaced by things like Yakuza and, and other Sega titles that people, I guess, are more into now. But uh, but I'm not quite sure why this didn't do as well, I guess, as it should have. Was it, I don't know if it was just because it was a late Genesis game or uh, maybe just people were tired of Ninjas in 1993. I really don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I mean, I... I rented this when it came out and was was really blown away with it. It's one of my favorite Sega Genesis games, uh, as as far as I'm concerned. It's, uh, I mean, it's top to bottom. It's one of those Genesis games you can point to and be like, you know, you talk shit about the graphics and sound. Look at Shinobi Three. That game looks amazing and it sounds amazing. I mean, this actually wasn't the game that we were supposed to get. Uh, after Revenge of Shinobi, uh, Sega ended up making a game called Revenge of Shinobi 2. And it's that game was actually sort of almost released. It was to the point where even U.S. magazines had reviewed it as Revenge of the Shinobi or Revenge of Shinobi 2. And it, it is in spirit, I mean, sort of w- what we ended up with. But there's a lot about that game that isn't what we're playing right now. Uh, it was very much uh, just a, a total sequel of Revenge of the Shinobi. It didn't move or play like what this one, what Shinobi Three does. It's it's very it's it's just kind of weird. I mean, you can definitely look this up. A lot of magazines, including like EGM, Game Fan, uh, previewed it, even reviewed it as Revenge of the Shinobi Two, and gave it decent decent reviews. But there's there's a, just a lot of stages and a lot of things that are different from what we got. But apparently Sega wasn't happy with, with that. Uh, they actually went back to the drawing board and said, hey, you know, let's 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 do something a little bit different. I'm not sure why, because Game Fan actually gave it a, a really good review. A, a lot of the publications here gave it really strong previews as well. So, I mean, 
So what we ended up with here was was Shinobi Three, and yes, that's it, it's still a, a really great game, but it's not the game that that was originally made. And apparently, there is a few uh, very early alphas, of, of like ROMs, that you can play of, of Revenge of the Shinobi Two, but there was never a, an actual release of the final game that a, a lot of these magazines and stuff got to review. Which would be really cool if that would just kind of maybe come out in one of these Sega collections or something like that as like an extra. Because it was finished. It was sent out for people, for these magazines to review. But then it was basically pulled back before it was released to the public. So, I mean, that's just one of those weird things about how these games <laughs> that worked back in the day. Uh, there, It was just really cool that, to, to see that there was an actual, th- this was something else before it became Shinobi 3. I mean, I think a game that's almost completely finished that then gets tossed is probably not as, especially once it goes out to magazines, probably not as common. But there were definitely times I remember seeing previews of games in magazines and the final game doesn't have, you know, the level that was pictured or things like that. It happens a lot in movies, too, where you'll see a preview for a movie. Then when you see the actual movie, you're like, that scene wasn't in there. I remember that scene from the preview, but it's not in this movie. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's kind of what it almost looks like. But then at the same time, uh, a lot of these places that were talking about what it was like back the, the original game, it was uh, that same kind of slower paced Revenge of Shinobi gameplay that we had got before. And I guess Sega didn't want that. They said, you know, we can do better. And that's where the the faster paced running, jumping around, kicks to the head, uh, that's where that came from. So they definitely wanted a faster paced game. They didn't just want another Revenge of Shinobi uh, they and that's that's really crazy that they let them get to the point where it was a finished game, and then basically made make made them redo it because there's a lot of levels and stuff in the game that never came out that didn't actually make it over to the finished game. Uh, there, you know, there's a whole uh, level where you're on a blimp. There's a whole uh, level where you're in, in like a city. I mean, there's a ton of different stuff that they just kind of tossed out to make Shinobi Three. It was actually a longer game than what Shinobi 3, and I think it's like eight or nine stages compared to the seven stages we actually got in Shinobi 3. So they cut a lot of stuff. Uh, but, you know, to me, I, I obviously didn't ever get to play that game. But what we ended up with, you know, if we were just going to get more Revenge of the Shinobi, I'm glad we got Shinobi 3 because it's it's different enough that that it's it stands on its own as a Shinobi game, and it's probably the best of the series, in in my opinion. Yeah, it's definitely the best of the ones that, that I had played before. Again, I had them on the Game Gear, and they were fine, but they were extremely slow playing on the Game Gear. And, and again, I had played it on the Master System. Uh, this was, I mean, this was a nice surprise. This played really well. It looked really well. Um, I mean, I think the character's just big enough in this game. It's not so big that you're, you can't get enough movement. You know, there's a lot of games where they make your character bigger than it should be, and it kind of hurts the gameplay. This, this was kind of a perfect balance of character size to the level. Yeah, and really about the only time in the whole game that it kind of got annoying was uh, it's it's the last level, basically, right before you get to the, the, the final boss, where there is just lasers everywhere. And you have to make some of the most perfect double jumps ever, uh, or wall jumps. And that's the only time that it really kind of got annoying for me. But the rest of the game, I think, plays just great. Yeah, when I saw that electric section, I had flashbacks of Battletoads, where I was like, oh no, oh no, I can't deal with another level. Oh God, my this my kind thumbs of were like aching by the time I got done with that, because you just have to just keep, if, you, if it looks like you're going to miss it, you have to back up and get on that wall, jump just a little bit forward, jump backwards, 
jump just to, you just have to keep going backwards and forwards until you can get that perfect jump either over those spikes or, or over those lasers it's that that level is is the worst in the game for me So yeah, Shinobi 3, a game I had not played before, uh, Jeremy had played before, and I think it goes down as probably one of the better Genesis games we've covered, and, and definitely one of the better ones on the system. Uh, so, you know, if, if it's on any collection you have, or if you just find a copy, I would definitely grab that copy. It's, a, it's an excellent game. Uh, our next game is going to be something we have not done before on this show, uh, which is essentially a PC game. I don't even know if that fits in our timeline, but I don't care. I'm excited to play a slightly different game than a bunch of action platformers for a couple weeks. So that'll be good. Uh, and we'll tell you <laughs> more about that on our social media accounts, assuming that I actually start posting again on Twitter and Instagram. But do we have some listener questions from the Retrovania.net listener question form? Oh, my God, do we? Um, turns out uh, you guys sent us a lot of uh, <laughs> emails from that form uh, to the point where we, we literally could not do them all on this show so i uh, you know we're going to try to maybe fit them in some way uh but we we definitely have a huge backlog of stuff to get to so if you are if you send us stuff and you don't hear it on this episode please don't get mad we didn't skip it or anything like that we will get to it in some way or another um but we just we only have so much time we could we could do. we we would literally probably have a two-hour episode of just doing emails from from everything that you guys have sent us and and that's really awesome we, we really appreciate it um but this time we're we've got a, a few questions that we're going to answer and the first one is uh from ben and uh he says hello retrovaniacs i'm new to the show but love what i've heard so far i'm not sure if this has already been asked but did your parents support your gaming hobby when you were a kid and more importantly did they actually play themselves I remember as a kid, most parents, including my own, really treated gaming with a negative stigma and acted like it was some weird mind control thing that no one should ever touch. Anyway, thanks for the podcast, guys. Uh, we have kind of touched that in different ways, but uh, it's still worth answering because it, it, I don't know if we've answered it straight like that. Uh, my dad was... Uh, the person that got me into gaming, I mean, I was old enough that we had an Intellivision at the house, and it was, you know, they bought it for us, but he had games that were more, um, you know, for older kids, not adult games by any means, but, but you know, the Dungeons and Dragons games and um, like a poker game and some other stuff. So, you know, I he had gotten me into it, and he still played PC games and still plays like Civ Five and Civ Six now. Um, but it, once we hit the Nintendo... I wouldn't say they didn't support it, but they definitely didn't play it. You know, they they would say, yep, we sure are glad you guys are playing that game, but they had no interest in, in learning how to play it. And my mom was never into it at all. Board games, sure. Video games, not really. I For me, my dad was definitely, I, he seemed to really be into games when he was younger, which is kind of weird considering when he was younger was like the late 70s. So... Uh, he had like a lot of these early Pong machines where it was just, like this dedicated Pong machine. That's the only game it could play, which is maybe like three or four different different versions of Pong. Um, so he was sort of into games, but like we never really got anything until the NES came out. And uh, he went out with, with his tax check one time. I, I remember it fondly um, and uh, called me and said, hey, you know, I got a, a Nintendo. And the first two games he ever got, was Castlevania, which yay, and uh, the other one was Top Gun, which 
hey, it was a game. And so, yeah, we, uh, he was, he was pretty into games for the most part. And, and I got way more into games. So I was lucky enough to have a parent that, that was actually into that stuff to a good deal. And we played, played games all the way up to like the, the super NES and stuff like that. Uh, he never really played them on his own, I guess. He just kind of, you know, when I'd rent something, he would come up to my room and, and we'd play for a while. Uh, yeah, he, he was kind of into it. So it definitely wasn't the situation where, uh, you know, we, we, had this weird standoffish things with video games. And I know, I know Billy was about the same, like his, his parents were, uh, especially his dad uh, really enjoyed playing uh, a lot of those games with him and, and on his own. So yeah, we, I, I feel bad for the kids that never really got to, you know, to do that with their parents because it's some of the best memories I, I have as a kid. All right. Our next question is from Clinton. And he says, hey, guys, believe it or not, I'm actually typing this question in a Taco Bell drive-thru as we speak. Over the last few episodes, you mentioned how much you loved sports games back in the 90s. But to my shock, there's only one episode based on a sports game, the Mutant League football episode. As a fan of way too many sports games as a kid myself, would you be up for doing any episode based on games like NBA Jam or even some of the stranger sports titles like Super Baseball 2020 for the Neo Geo or Speedball for the NES? Well, I would also like to say we covered pro wrestling, which I would argue is a sport. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that is or not. Hey, we, also, we also covered uh, the, the fishing game. Oh, totally. that's true. Super Black Bass uh, or one of those. Uh, yeah, but, okay, I mean, so, nobody should listen to that. But <laughs> still, we covered it. God we damn did. It. We did. And I had to play it. Um, I would definitely cover another sports game. I, we had actually kind of talked about doing an episode where we might answer uh, a larger percentage of listener questions. And, and I think that would be a great format to do a sports title of some sort because, you know, unless it's completely out there, uh, I don't feel like anyone needs us to explain the rules of, say, basketball if we're going to cover NBA Jam. So, uh, you know, it would be a game we could cover pretty quickly and then and then answer a lot of questions. I'm fine with that. I think a, an entire listener question episode uh, is a bad idea. Uh, I don't know if anyone would listen to that, except for the people who sent us questions. So, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I would totally enjoy doing some of those sports games, but it's it's really it, it comes down to a is there enough to talk about, and b is it something that Jeremy would be really annoyed by, and if it checks off those two things, then yes, we will totally do a sports episode uh around that but uh otherwise you know yeah there's just not much we can really talk about unless we've got personal stories uh, about said game all right and uh let's see here let me get here next uh next question comes into in from uh the name of the week which is eight-year-old kid with a mic on xbox live and uh he writes in to say hey folks i really enjoy the podcast and just wanted to ask a question that isn't about what mouths do uh, I'm a big fan of the whole retro movement lately, even though I don't really qualify for it since I wasn't even alive until the Dreamcast was a thing. My question is, does all this retro stuff showing up in stores these days offend you or other people that were actually part of it all back in the 80s and 90s? Like it's a cheap cash in on the whole nostalgia thing or something. Or are you out there buying it up just like everyone else is? Anyway, thanks for answering my question. If you do. I'm sure it's pissing somebody off because everything does right but i think the current like the the nes classic the SNES classic um you know i think people are actually pretty excited about this genesis classic and then a lot of the collections that are coming out i think people are actually interested in those and excited um there was definitely a phase where it felt like like when at games was putting out all the their own boxes for you know the genesis one was bad the atari ones were bad 
the uh, I have the ColecoVision and the Intellivision ones. Uh, they're fine because the controls are actually pretty good, but still, it feels like it's just ROMs thrown on a pretty poor emulator. Uh, and again, uh, there's all those like incredible knockoffs you can find at the malls around Christmas where it's like, here's 100 games and half of them are from Nintendo and half are from Genesis. And, you know, it's like, this doesn't make any sense why this would be a system. But uh, so I, I think a lot of them are kind of cheesy cash grabs. The PlayStation one is is pretty awful. Um, but but that said, they don't piss me off. I'm kind of glad they're out there. It makes it easy for people to to kind of get a feel for what people were playing at those times. But also, if, if you were a fan, like, I was excited to get the Super Nintendo Classic, even though I already had a lot of those games on other formats, just because of the convenience of having all these games together and they're emulated really well with an official controller. I, I think that's a good a good deal, and a lot of these collections kind of offer that. Yeah, and I'm kind of fine with it myself. It's not anything that I walk into a store and I'm just like, oh, God, these fucking kids. Uh, you know, it was... Back when I was a kid, you rarely saw anything video game related that wasn't outside, you know, a a video game aisle. So, you know, to kind of see this stuff making its way into mainstream and and just everyone's kind of into it. I think it's neat. You know, I I always thought it was really crazy when they released a movie based on a video game. You know, when The Wizard came out, I was like, holy shit, you know, they made a movie based on Super Mario 3. That's awesome. And and, uh, to have people talking about it. So. To see this stuff just out in out in the wild today in stores that isn't in a weird section, you know, for for crazy people, I I, I think it's kind of fun to to see those things, and it, it doesn't really bother me at all. Now, you know, what really bothers me is when you go to stores that have the actual original carts, no box, no instructions, and the prices are like fifty dollars for a copy of RBI Baseball or something that's just like this isn't worth what. You're charging. You're just trying to get people that are, you know, that may not know enough about the hobby to know that this is a four dollar cart. Yeah, and that's actually the thing that offends me the most is going out and uh, looking at some of these these older games and and what they're actually pricing them. You know, finding a, a just a an original cart version of Chrono Trigger out there for like a hundred and forty dollars. I'm just like, what? what the hell this no that's just insane you can't i mean people will totally buy it for that i guess they wouldn't charge it if if somebody wasn't buying it but it's just like goddamn you know that's that's just crazy and i I think that's one of the things that's that i would say is preying on nostalgia you know when you are just overpricing stuff to that point but just the dumb little stuff that's like wallets and and all this other stuff out there like keychains uh that that you find around target or or a GameStop or whatever. I that I don't care. You know, that's neat that it's out there. If somebody wants it, that's fine. Pay like 10 bucks for it and whatever. The last time I went to a GameStop, I think the store was 50% that stuff and Oh, that's and, all it is now. And 50% of the games. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird. Like it, it's just kind of turned into the the stuff you can buy that isn't video games now. Like action figures and and other stuff like that. It, it's GameStop's strange now. Like it's weird to to think of what GameStop used to be. Uh, to, to what it is now. Anyway, next question comes in from Todd's with a Z. Ahoy, Retrovaniacs. Thanks for doing the show and all that jazz. I noticed you did an episode on Final Fantasy VIII, and I refused to listen to it because I'm afraid that one of you may actually liked it, and I would never be able to listen to that to this podcast again. So my question for you guys is a very simple and important one. What is your favorite Final Fantasy game? And please don't say Final Fantasy VIII. Uh, I uh, if I will save you the time for listening to the episode. Uh, I did not care for it. I tried really hard 
to to play through eight several times and finally for that podcast i got about 90 percent of the way through so i don't think my opinions are ever going to change i never intend on playing it again it is not a good final fantasy um you know my favorite kind of waivers depending like i always would would have answered 12 i mean yeah obviously not before 12 but i thought final fantasy 12 i like the combat system i realize the story is kind of a mess and that the characters in some cases in most cases in that game are pretty terrible but i really really like the combat in that game it's a lot more of a of an action system you get to kind of build the gambits up so you can tell your party what to do ahead of time so it's almost like you're watching a simulation at that point for some fights I I really enjoyed that Um, but I recently started playing through X again and Final Fantasy X is a game that at the time I absolutely hated I hated Blitzball I hated the fact that most of the game is a tunnel and you don't have any choice of what you're doing Uh, that said I've really really liked playing through X so I mean it's a hard answer because I would have I would have said twelve or nine. Nine's really, really good. Uh but but X I keep coming back to. I'm probably on my fourth or fifth playthrough. So that that may end up being my answer ultimately, uh, even though I'd still really want to say twelve. I I still really haven't gotten too far into twelve, but I I've liked what I've played every time I did. Um I, I guess for me it'd probably be either a, a toss up between Final Fantasy Nine Though there's a part in in Final Fantasy IX where I just I, I stopped really enjoying it, I think it's maybe about seventy percent of the way through. Uh, I, I think the one I, I've enjoyed the most over the years of just kind of coming back to was is six. Uh, that was just an amazing game when it came out, and it is it has held up over the years. And that's just one of those. If I ever just want to go back and, and play a classic RPG, it's either that game or Chrono Trigger. And uh, more often than not, it is it is six that I go back to and, and just, you know, get into and I uh, just love the characters, love the, uh, the gameplay of it. It's, it's just so much fun. Our final question comes in from Charmaine and he says, Hey guys, I noticed on your Facebook page the other day that you posted several pics of old gaming magazines from the nineties and asked what everyone's favorite was. This sent me down a huge nostalgia hole since I was way into collecting magazines as a kid. Personally, I was a big fan of EGM and PSM, both of which I still have several years worth of sitting in a box upstairs. You didn't actually mention what your favorites were in that post though. So I'm curious to know what, what all you, what you all read in the grocery store as kids. Thanks. As a kid, before I worked at a gaming store, the only magazine I read regularly was was Nintendo Power. Um, once I started working at the game store, which was, you know, peak, the, the launch of the PlayStation and the Saturn and, and all the way through the PlayStation 2. So I read a lot of those. Uh, I did like PSN or PSM a lot. Uh, it came with all those really cool stickers half the time, uh, which I enjoyed. Uh, and I liked... Uh, Game Fan was one I read. I it, I remember Game Fan getting to be pretty bad, but for a while it was like my go-to for kind of getting incoming information on games that would be coming over from Japan that I might care about. Um, and I actually liked, even though the magazine itself wasn't great, I liked the fact that the official PlayStation magazine came with a demo disc that was pretty cool. It actually let you play a lot of games. That's how I found Abe's Odyssey, which on its own is enough reason to like a magazine. Yeah, that that demo disc was the main reason I bought the official PlayStation magazine. I, that was a, they had some really great demo discs on on that one. But yeah, I guess I guess my my favorite was Game Fan, and and you're right, it did just get ridiculous at some point. But they were really one of the the only magazine out there that was covering 
uh, Japanese games, uh, imports, and and just kind of like anime and stuff like that back then, which was uh, no one else really did. And uh, I, I really enjoyed that. It, it was just neat to kind of see a lot of those things that were coming over that, that a lot of magazines just didn't cover at all. Uh, but yes, they, they did get to the point where they would just hype up literally every single game to the point where even terrible games were, were getting hyped to the moon. Uh, I remember one uh, infamous one was uh, Fighting Force, which we actually covered in an episode, which, you know, hey, it, it's eh, whatever. But they, mindless, they were but literally... Yeah, I mean, it's, it wasn't bad, but I mean, they were hyping this thing as, as being like the, just the greatest thing that had ever existed. Um, they also hyped up uh, Aquanauts Holiday for the PlayStation, which was literally just you driving around in a submarine doing absolutely nothing the entire game. Uh, it, yes, it, it became almost like the, its own meme before memes were even a thing back in the day. Uh, but goddamn, they, they I love that, Mexi. I remember they pushed Tale of the Sun as like this most amazing like no this is amazing you can go anywhere you can do anything it's like yes and then the game came out i'm like i'm wandering aimlessly looking for bits of bone this is i I still have that 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 uh (laughs) that one and i totally remember being like oh my god this looks amazing they're making this sound like this is the second coming of games and i think they had a uh, just a bad problem of anything that came out of japan uh, or really anything it seemed like uh was just the greatest game ever made it, it was just really strange for for all the shit that game pro got for like you know not ever reviewing a game below like 4.0 or something like that um game fan was just as bad i mean they just every single game they hyped up to a, an extraordinary amount uh but it was it, it was the one magazine that i genuinely looked out for and the only magazine ever that i actually had a subscription to until they went out of business and didn't send me any more, any more magazines Oh, I forgot. I liked Turbo Play, the official magazine of the TurboGrafx-16. Oh, God. I remember picking up Turbo Play occasionally and being like, what the fuck is it? After the this? first issue, Turbo Play was about eight eight pages long. It was not, not the most solid <laughs> well, magazine. I mean, there wasn't really much coming out for a monthly magazine. I, maybe it was like, you know, two or three games per every like five months. So they didn't have much to work with. If you have a question, please send it to us at our amazing question form on Retrovania.net. Also, there will be links at Retrovania.net for our Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else you can find us. So please check those places out while you get ready for our next episode, which should hopefully be in two weeks this time, when we cover a PC game for the first time. And we'll see you then.